we're back for another bonus episode of Cinemaholics, our 12th or 13th or 14th in a row. What are we doing? Why are we doing so many bonus episodes of Cinemaholics? It's my fault, I guess. I have been trying to prioritize a lot of these movies that you saw a month and a half ago that are just coming to my local area and being considered. I'm like, hey, let's see these movies first since they're not as fresh on John's mind. But then I guess... All these movies aren't particularly fresh on your mind, so they didn't listen. No, you know what? You're wrong, though. They're not. It's not that they're not fresh because. So, so we talked about Licorice Pizza yesterday. We're talking about Red Rocket today. These are two of my favorite movies of the whole year. They're still in my head. Like if this, if we were had to talk about like Ron's Gone Wrong, like that, I would have an issue with. I'd be like, I can't. I, I'd have to rewatch it. I, I, I don't have anything insightful to say at this point. But these are two movies that they stick. They're sticky. So I think we're okay. I think we're fine. Very sticky films. Yes, I would agree. So you saw that. We we will talk about Matrix Resurrections. That is going to come. I think we're just going to have to have a spirited spoiler discussion to account for the fact that a lot of yes. you have already seen it. <laughs> and are probably like, yeah, are, are they ever going to get to that? And then we're going to talk, I guess, Sing 2 at some point. Hopefully. I mean, I'm going to be seeing Depends it soon. on you. Yeah, so. that's the thing. I, I don't have any... The only movies I'm planning to see that are new movies this week are Memoria and The Tender Bar. I don't really have a lot of others on my list. Although I did finish The Harder They Fall recently, uh, a couple days ago. A good movie. You guys see... Uh, yeah, it's a I pretty good film. I enjoyed it quite a bit. You guys see Card Counter? Card Counter is... Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a priority, but uh, I, I didn't... I'm mm. didn't. Uh, i not opposed to it, right? I think Card Counter... I, feel I, like that's, I think that's VOD, right? Yeah. Uh, it should be on VOD now. I just figured... I, I'm trying to think of what movies you haven't seen there, like on other people's... Yeah, Bergman Island is the list. other big one. That I already have well, it. Of course, I already yes. have it queued and ready to go. That's another one with Memoria. And that, yeah, that's that's coming. Mm, I hope so. Yeah, But Tender Bar is kind of low on the priority list, but I know it's new. So it's like... It's not that I want to see Tender Bar as much, but I feel like I should out of obligation. I don't know. But we'll get to all these movies eventually. Oh yeah, you're flashing up your your tender bar novel. Is that I know what's happening? Memoir. Memoir. I see. I don't know anything. I haven't. I don't know anything about the tender bar yet. I know Ben Affleck's in it. Well, you you know the title. I mean, we've been talking off the air about titles, uh, not knowing the meaning. You do know the meaning of tender bar, yes. right? But uh, I I think in that case, like a bar. Well, tender <laughs> yeah that's not exactly hard to uh piece together they they sent me a amazon did they sent me like a box of like bar tender stuff um tender they, bar. sorry sorry tender bar stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, they sent me like a, a a cocktail shaker and like one of those things like kind of yeah it's it's super cool and then they sent me some wine and everything i'm just like geez yeah. louise like party at the Negroni yeah house. we literally did have a party and I, of amazon harder they fall yeah. sent me a flask pretty sweet um i'm worried about the, these studios are thinking you know cinemaholics i guess they're thinking yeah, yeah that must be it <laughs> you gotta get john all liquored up to like our movies but. right right he's not addicted to alcohol he's addicted to cinema um yeah no we're talking about red rocket red rocket is the latest film directed by sean baker he co-wrote it with chris Burgotch, his frequent collaborator they worked on florida project together i believe they also worked on tangerine together and i'll say at the outset i i love sean baker as a director he's such a unique idiosyncratic filmmaker he has very distinct style and i think that what i look for in his movies and i'll ask you what you do look for in his movies I really I look for these slice of life Americana films that approach the everyday American from a unique angle, like a human and empathetic angle. A lot of his his movies, I would say, is 
particularly with uh, Florida Project, is there's a lot of stuff that happens, but you don't really have like a really driving narrative throughout most of it. You're just kind of going from like moment to moment, scene to scene over the course of the first and second acts, and then everything kind of hits the fan in the third act. That's kind of his like signature style there. Uh, We see it a lot in this movie for sure, although I'd say this one is not quite as listless as the Florida Project, but what what do you think of his films, uh, Sean Baker's movies? And Not that he's done a ton. Yeah, I mean, I I think I've yeah I've seen almost all of his films. I I mean, those being of course now Red Rocket, Tangerine, and um, Floor Project. Uh, though I mean, yeah, I mean, he did I a few beforehand, really, but yeah, did he? I know he did like one that he's like embarrassed of in in like two thousand. Yeah, his first seen. film was Four Letter Words. That's his. Uh, yeah, that one. His debut. That's like his like Kevin Smith. Uh, Kevin uh, Smith. Um, uh, copycat. I guess he's. <laughs> apparently kind of embarrassed by i tried to find it once i could not find it um what did he do other than that i know he worked on greg the bunny at one point yeah tv wise he's worked on two shows greg bunny back in the mid 2000s and then he worked on war and the ape um which uh that's like what a decade ago around there that's the uh, parody on mtv i don't know if you ever saw Mm -hmm. it but it's Uh, it's a spin-off i have seen greg the bunny it's a spin-off of greg the bunny so it's of a piece oh okay yeah okay cool um but yeah i mean he yeah, really just kind of uh, he was a true um, indie darling in that, like, I remember in 2015, he got no, a lot of notoriety for Tangerine because the film was, I think, like the first film to be shot on an iPhone or at least entirely shot on an iPhone. Yeah, it was, um, it was the second time that he was credited as a cinematographer. First time was for the film uh, Prince of Broadway, which was, I think, his third film. And yeah, to, to be clear, I haven't seen any of his films before Tangerine. And mm-hmm. I, I same here. Yeah, they're very, very indie. Yes. But yeah, I mean, he like uh, he, he's had kind of an interesting career trajectory in the past like couple years because, yeah, he went from like being a kind of like DIY sort of filmmaker, like doing what he needs to do to get the film made to being like one of the like conservators of film and like film as like is in celluloid uh and like you know making like these very like cinematic films but with very you know idiosyncratic characters and very like like you were saying before sort of like slice of life uh films based on kind of uh eccentric small town personalities that we don't often see in a very cinematic way like i would say i think that his movies are cinematic and like the the stories are massive to me but he uses minimalist like styles mm. right like the directing right. and shooting it's minimalist and analog but it's not it's not small or slight right yeah i mean it does remind me a little bit of um the safety brothers and kind of their career trajectory as well because they've taken a lot of like the kind of like flighty like flying on a see your pants qualities of their earlier films when they're making like you know very small budget indie films and they're incorporating them with a bigger budget and bigger more notable uh cast but they have like a lot of those qualities still uh caked into the film and it gives it a nice kind of balance where it does feel like we said very like grand and cinematic but there are a lot of touches that feel very gritty and honest and real and i think it's a really impressive balance i think this is certainly very commendable in the floor project and very notable in this film as well for sure red rocket it's his seventh film now which is impressive considering i mean he's a young youngish guy i think he's in his like late 40s early 50s um but you know he's been working for a while now and i'd say that like 
whenever he comes out with something, you know, to me, it's like, all right, like I'm, I'm clued in. Uh, he's had this more recent cadence where he does since Tangerine, he does a film that's feature length then he'll do a short, then he'll do another feature film. That's kind of what he's been up to, um, for the past like six or seven years. And I, I think with red rocket, that's, notable considering he was able to make this during the pandemic it seemed i I believe he made this during the pandemic or like they shot it um during that time they yeah they shot it last year during the pandemic Mm -hmm. like in the summer i want to say and you know it's it's fascinating about that because this is a film that takes place in texas and it's not a huge movie in terms of like the cast or anything like you can kind of see how they'd be able to make a film like this during the restrictions and lockdowns and all that stuff or at least like the sentiment i don't know texas i think was open at this point but yeah, I think you can kind of tell that it was probably probably fairly efficient for them to make this kind of movie happen, which is promising considering like how films could actually be made under such strict circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he had like a 10 person crew I read for this film. Like it's a very like and I find that more impressive having seen the film. Like It, it does. It's a very small film, but like knowing how few people were involved from a production standpoint to uh, comply with, you know, very strict COVID regulations. It's, yeah, it's really, uh, like we said before, it's like this kind of like indie mindset, but him continuing to expand and develop as an artist. It's, yeah, it's really exciting, invigorating stuff to watch. Yeah. And I'm excited to talk about this film in a little bit more detail here because Florida project, one of my favorite films from 2017, uh, tangerine one of my favorites from 2015 so I, I i just like i said before i think i think one of the things about him as a filmmaker about uh sean baker i should say is that like when, when i think of like directors who kind of get in trouble you know they get in twitter jail or whatever where they kind of come out and they say like these marvel movies like i'm so sick of it or like you know these directors who were sort of like Man, it's it feels like they're afraid of the future almost because the future has a lot of change and it's hard to adapt. And Sean Baker, he, I think he's in the same school of filmmakers as guys like Steven Soderbergh, you know, where and, and also like I would say, um, uh, what's what's her name? I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, director of Little Women. Um Greta Gerwig. Oh my gosh. Greta Gerwig. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah, just no. somebody I haven't thought about in a while. I was like, wait, what is her name? I know Greta Gerwig. Yeah. But no, like I, I think filmmakers like in that kind of camp, it's like, it's like they're not afraid of the future. Like they're willing to adapt. They still have a passion for like the cinema and like the big screen and everything like that. But I don't know, like their approach to making a film, it's like, they don't, they're not trying to make these big splashy, flashy pictures in order to chase the trends i just think that they're like they're still creating independent cinema that can be appreciated on the big screen by a lot of people but by using like forward thinking methods like shooting on an iphone like taking somebody like you know simon rex and making him this leading man in a very audacious move i'd say to a similar extent like willem dafoe like the way he's used in ford project and you know i think the way that he casts virtually unknown actors for a lot of his movies that's just something he's always had a passion for that's the case in this one i think simon rex easily the most recognizable actor in red rocket let's talk about it though so this premiered at Cannes film festival this past year it was in yeah. competition for the palm door and A24 put it out limited release earlier in December this month. And, you know, it's been it's it's shown up for some like critic awards and things like that. You know, I don't think it got much or anything for Critics' Choice. But, you know, it's, it was nominated for, for Gotham, Independent Spirits. Uh, I think Rex won Best Actor from L.A. Film Critics Association. 
That's in my head. Yeah, I was trying to remember if it was LA or New York. I was trying to remember. It was one of those. I think two. it's yeah, LA. He, he Benedict I th- Cumberbatch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right there. And uh, National Board of Review uh, chose it as one of their top ten films of the year. I've already come out and said this is my favorite film of 2021, and I really, really love Simon Rex's performance in this. I think that he is just uh, dynamite in this movie. He plays this kind of hyperactive, kind of former porn star. You know, he, he kind of like relives the glory days. This movie opens with this uh, song, Bye Bye Bye, the NSYNC song, right? And it's it's mm-hmm. sort of like calling to how he is very much like a relic of another era. And this movie kind of follows him coming back to his hometown, Texas City, in, which is, I think, close, relatively close to Galveston in Texas. I don't know, Will, if you've ever been to Texas. Um this movie is very much a Texas movie. <laughs> if you if you ever make a visit, it's very true to what uh, what in a similar way to like you really get a feel for Orlando and Kissimmee in Florida Project. Mm-hmm. That's the case with this movie in regards to Texas, and we just sort of see him trying to fast talk his way back, you know, to to making it through life in this town again. And as we get to know him, he's a bit of a huckster. He's a pathological liar. And this movie takes place during 2016, and there's a lot of stuff we can say about that, about the choice of uh, year in which he shows up in. But what, yeah, I want to turn it to you in terms of like overall brass tacks. Where do you stand on Red Rocket? I have no idea what you're about to say. I hope you like it at the very least. If you do not like this movie, I, I might hang up. Um, well, I was going to say, since we brought up 2016, I know some of our listeners are not fond of when we discuss politics. They sometimes even write to us and say, hey, cut it out with the politic talk. So uh, I'm going to give everyone a fair warning that I think we're going to talk about politics at some point in this episode. Is that fair to say, John? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what you're going to so, say, but okay. Uh, pay heed, I guess, if that's of, of um, concern. <laughs> that's your but trigger that, uh, <laughs> sure i guess um but uh yeah other than than that um i was gonna say yeah i really enjoyed this film a lot i think maybe even more than i expected going into it because like uh like we were mentioning before tangerine and with the florida project he has a very sort of empathetic uh perspective like obviously he's not shying away from the cruelties of their uh, situations like the the impoverishments that they have to deal with just the the struggles that they deal with as people and as characters and as films but you know it's very it's easy to be sympathetic towards those characters and it's not quite a challenge in the same way that it is for red rocket because he's taking that approach and he's focusing on just a real uh a scuttlebutt a uh um, just a real bad dude for a lot of reasons um this movie could have taken the title of the worst person in the world i think <laughs> if you want i was thinking that uh, while I was watching the worst person yeah. in the world i was like ah, she's got nothing on simon rex yeah on, on mikey the mikey uh, saber right yeah, so, yeah. So, simon yeah. rex lovely dude uh, by all accounts oh I'm, yeah i'm not i'm not dissing simon rex if anything, i'm not I'm, either yeah um, i think definitely... i was accidentally like saying that. <laughs> but no his character hmm. Uh, but yeah, what I was gonna say with Simon Rex, um, cause yeah, cause like you said, like, you know, he's going off of like, you know, Willem Dafoe is a pretty big name and I think that's the only real name that I can recall in, um, in the Florida project. Well, yeah, he, uh, he discovers and, you know, in a I think he discovers Brooklyn Prince, if I'm not mistaken, well, course, yeah. who, you know, yeah. she, she had a few other films come out after Florida project to varying success. I think mostly like horror films, but you know, that's one mm. career that I think that he might be able to put a stamp on if she continues her trajectory. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, with Simon Rex, like I mean, I was vaguely familiar with Dirt Nasty, his uh, rap persona. I was not familiar yeah. with his adult film career, which that was back uh, in the nineties, right before he's doing sure. MTV, right? You know, way before he's doing scary movie stuff. And what I like about yeah. you, well, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I primarily know him from is Scary Movie 3 and I guess Scary Movie 4 as well. Rem- he's in that yeah, one. that it's uh, that for me. But then also what I like about you. I remember him from that show. OK, uh, I vaguely remember seeing reruns for what I like about you back in the day. I don't remember him exactly in that show. He's um, mainly in the first yeah, season. I mean, he's like the boyfriend of her older sister. So he he's like a main character, I think, in the first season. Oh, but wow. then they break up and then I think he disappears for a while. OK, I'll take your word for it because I have not. Uh, thought about that show or watched it and uh i can't even tell you how long neither has amanda Bynes. Um, i probably uh yeah i hope she's doing all right i don't know what yeah, she on hasn't texted her. me in a while so i need to check in <laughs> uh but yeah i mean i you know primarily knowing him from scary movie 3 which is a movie i like i haven't seen in a long time but i like it uh, i like his performance in it uh but i'm like can he really like bring out this you know dynamic gravitas performance of this guy i mean come know? on after that eight mile uh, parody i think the guy can do anything right right uh and yeah he's you know he's he's like just from on the spot like this dude is just a lightning rod of just you know skeezy charisma he just he, it's kind of like it's hard to take your eyes off him he's when he's doing these like horrendously bad things you love and to it's hate just him. this nice yeah i mean but it's just like like you know like if you it's a hard movie to describe because it's just like why you want to watch a guy like grooming this young girl or like taking advantage of his like former wife or like you know doing like all these horrible things like you know like basically conning his neighbor and all this stuff but like you see um simon rex as mikey and you're kind of just like compelled like it's just like where's this gonna go like you know like you even kind of get a little endeared to like just how uh outwardly charismatic and just like uh roll the tongue he is and just how he's able to like he's so deeply narcissistic but you just like can't really help but like be compelled by this uh otherwise off-putting but certainly very compelling character and you know it's not a character you root for to be sure but it's a character you just can't stop watching and you know through uh simon or uh, through um sean baker's uh lens where he's obviously like critical of him but also like trying to understand him as a person in a very kind of open humorous but naturalistic sort of way uh it just results in a very entertaining and very compelling film well, to be sure that's the magic trick of this movie is because you start rooting for him like in the beginning you're rooting for him because the the movie frames him in a sympathetic light you know he he's kind of down on his luck and then it's setting up for a redemption story but then yeah over the course of the movie you're like man this guy is the worst he's toxic and like everyone needs to steer clear of him but you can understand though why people People fall for his stuff why people are endeared to him and why because you're still watching because you're still invested and like kind of going off of what you said where people are like oh should we even watch a movie like this and i'm so sick of being told like movies would be so boring if we only watched movies where our, our own opinions are just like lobbed back at us oh 100 you know 100 percent. yeah like yeah absolutely well what in the world do you want from a movie you just want a movie that's going to clap along to everything you already believe in and that you know every character is doing the right thing and being morally you know i was thinking about this when i was watching the book of boba fett you know that new disney plus show okay and like they're, they're not, not expecting that <laughs> right uh transition but it's but a sure. recent thing i was i was just like i did my my youtube video about it yesterday and i was just like they're they're turning Boba Fett. I know you haven't seen it, but they're turning him into like this more like 
he's nice now. Like he's not, he, yeah, he doesn't want to torture or kill his enemies. And it's just like, oh my gosh, they're doing this because it's Star Wars. It's a family brand. And they kind of just have to take this like anti-hero bounty hunter and make him a softie because we can't have a main character in a Disney show who does bad mm-hmm. things. You know what I mean? And it's just like, are people not yeah. bored by that? And I think they are, but then people can I be think, so hypocritical. Yeah. They're, they're bored by that thing and they criticize movies that do that. But then when a movie mm-hmm. is very challenging and it's very like complicated and messy it's like no that's mm-hmm. you know all of a sudden it, everything gets super prudish i know um brianna ziegler wrote such a great piece about this i forget which outlet but she was kind of oh i've been meaning to to read i wanted to read that after i watched you, the film, it, so thank you for reminding required me required reading because i think it really gets to the to the heart of what we're talking about here it's just like what do you actually want from a movie if that is what you want look you know what no judgment if you just want, but, but I'm just saying like, that reminds me of like these like fundamentalist evangelical, like, you know, Christian family members I have who, when I was growing up, it's like, I couldn't watch Harry Potter. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't watch anything that didn't like promote an agenda or a message that was like approved. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that sort of thing is, it's just lame. No, thanks. No. Yeah. Cause it's like, I, I do kind of worry about the future. Maybe this is me being a little bit alarmist, but just like, I'm worried about like a future where we see movies where characters just like huddle together and it's just like, all right, so we all agree. Police brutality is bad. Right. Right. And climate change is bad. Right. Right. And it's just like everyone, like all the characters is like unanimously just being like, bad things are bad. And we all agree on this. And so do you as the audience. Right. And then like, yeah, it's like there are tons of movies where like, you know, just like maybe because it's fresh in my mind, but the discourse around uh, Don't Look Up, which is not a movie I hate, but not a movie I particularly like. But there's this whole conversation around the film now where people are like, oh, well, if you don't like the film, you don't like agree with the movie's politics or you think you know for a ridiculous reason that like climate change yeah. isn't well, bad people or are even it's saying like, like what? you're like the people in the movie you critics right and it's like what <laughs> and i mean i had like mixed feelings about the film i guess you were maybe slightly more positive than i was but it's just like what are you talking about and then like there are other films you know like i bring up a lot like dragged across concrete not a film that i agree with politically but like i think it's one of the best films of that year 2019 and it's a film i think about a lot but it's not like a lot a movie of I films agree yeah they're morally or politically really yeah. great too. like bone tomahawk like it, these these are like yeah, course, really yeah. good action movies and I'm like yeah like yeah you can watch that movie and be like yeah you know i, I don't jive with the politics but how can you deny i think the thing is to, to to what you're saying is people are afraid of being scolded on twitter i think there are a lot of producers at a lot of studios i, I say more so outside of like these smaller ones like a24 but more so at like like disney universal and sony and paramount and warner brothers where they they're afraid of people tweeting like this movie is evil it's like what we were talking about with licorice pizza you know like these tweets we're seeing where it's just like if you like this movie you're a pedophile and like all of this stuff and like the studios are afraid to like green light riskier projects and things that because they're afraid of the moralizing that's going to happen they're afraid of the online mobbing and i think like it's easy for a studio executive to get super cagey about that you got to take that out of the movie that's going to make people upset and I'm like, do you not want to feel something when you watch a movie? You, you should feel something. And like, if you have such a like fragile state and philosophy where like watching a movie with grooming in it, like I understand it's a different thing from being like, you know what, this is something that reminds me of my past, reminds me of some like certain traumas. That's a whole separate thing. And I think people should be oh, course, like, that's yeah. what criticism is for. You can be like, hey, this is in the movie, fair warning. But it's different to say like, mm-hmm. this is in the movie and no one should watch it. This movie is in, this movie's yeah. not valuable. This movie doesn't work on it any level you know what i mean so like yeah i Mm -hmm. i I just that's my soapbox i'm done soapboxing yeah and 
I mean, similar to what we were saying before in our uh, Licorice Pizza bonus episode, um, you know, you can be critical of this movie if you want. I mean, you can have a very mature conversation about the subject matter and all this. But yeah, it just kind of feels like I, I don't think the movie's having that conversation. I think Licorice Pizza has taken away a lot of the conversation around Red Rocket, for better or for worse. Um, it's more of an Oscar. This movie, I don't think, is going to have any Oscar attention whatsoever. I mean, if it does, I'll be shocked, yeah. on it, which is extremely sad to me. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't chalk it out like if if a24 really puts uh puts their eggs in the right baskets they could maybe get simon rex maybe considered i i, I don't see it um, happening i think that uh they're really looking not. at tragedy of macbeth i think that's makes sense you know i think i yeah. think even come on come on probably has a stronger chance of getting a couple nods because it has been in a few mm-hmm. things but yeah yeah but at the same time it does feel like a24 is more confident in um red rocket over come on come on surprisingly i thought what makes you think that kind of, yeah well, because like, come on, come on, they kind of like quietly released in November and it, they didn't really give it as much of a push compared to Red Rocket, which is coming out like in the real heat of the award season right now. And in like this like Christmas wide release, uh, you know, a pretty prime December release. It just feels like they're with that and Tragedy Macbeth. Like this seems like if they're if we're going off of release date calendars, it seems like these two movies are the ones that A24 is the most confident or the ones they're putting a little bit more attention into but do you it sounds i don't like know you if i agree with this buy that 100 and i, I okay. don't know because i think like belfast you know like that that came out limited release around the same time as come on come on so did king richard i, I think there is a strategy behind when you put i mean you could might say you might say that like okay maybe red rocket is going for a play that doesn't conflict as much like it probably conflicts more with come on come on so it makes sense for me to me that you would pair one of those with you know the other one the thing is Tragedy of Macbeth and Come On, Come On, let's just say it, they're both black and white movies. <laughs> and I think that's, sure. uh, I think Come On, Come On, its big shot would probably be for Joaquin Phoenix because he's already won an Oscar. But to what you're saying, I do I do mm-hmm. see more of an Oscar narrative behind Red Rocket for Simon Rex, but more as a novelty, more of like, we know this isn't going to win anything, but it would be cool if it could, if you just got like a nomination for one or two things. Uh, Sean Baker's already been nominated uh, before, I believe. And then um, I think for screenplay, and Simon Rex, you know, maybe we could have a Willem Dafoe situation where you know, he was supporting in Florida Project. And I believe he did he win supporting. I don't remember. I'd have to look that up. But I think that Simon. Uh, no, he did not. No, no, he no. Didn't he win. didn't. Uh, he was favored to win, but did not win. I forget exactly off the top of my head who actually won that year. Was it? Um, no, wait, no. Mark Rylance was a couple years before that. I'm trying yeah, to remember who Bridges won. Spies 2015. Right. I'd have to look it up. But yeah. I, again, though, I, I think that uh, I could see the narrative behind this not as a way to like, hey, let's win Oscars, more of like, let's make a career for Simon Rex. You know what I mean? Get him in another A24 thing or try to try to boost a, a new indie career for the guy. I don't know what he wants to do after this. Like, I believe Dirt Nasty has been pretty successful for the guy. So I don't know if this was just like a one-off thing he wanted to do. So that said, I don't think he could do another Sean Baker film. <laughs> I think he kind of... Maybe. Maybe, uh, I hate to say uh, this, knows? but blew his load uh, in terms of... He's so the, much of this movie. The load is blown. You, yeah, so I think you, what you're trying to say. What could you even do uh, with uh, this guy again? Like, I, I, but that that said, like I think he'd be in so many other things and be such a great. He's he could be such a great character actor under the right director. Sure. Yeah. I mean. Um, yeah. I mean. But to your earlier point, I just feel like they could have if they just wanted to release this for clout or to kind of get Sean Baker uh, a wider audience. I think they could have just released this in like May or something like during the summer. Or early summer, I guess, in that case. Uh, and, That's true. And it would, and it probably would have done better box office wise. But it seems like the fact they're releasing it in December, they want that awards consideration and that like Oscar play. And then so it was, that would be my and that it was a can. Yeah. 
you know, to your point. Right. But I would say, like, I think the thing, the reason they put it out during the summer is because that was Zola. They had higher hopes for Zola, honestly. I'm talking next summer, like in uh, 2022. I see what you're saying. I don't know. Like, we don't really know A24's full slate for next year, do we? I haven't looked into it. And we got the Aronofsky movie coming up. We got a few other things. Um, I don't know. When I hear Aronofsky of- I, and in the summer... I, I get uh, mother flashbacks. I don't, I don't know if that's in the summer. I just know that's I just that's the first one that comes to mind as far as like you. what they got yeah. in the future. I remember yeah. mother coming out in August or whatever it was. <laughs> oh man, what a what a strange choice that was. But anyway, um, we haven't really talked about like really like the the plot of the characters in this movie, which is kind of funny. Um, I, I kind of gave like the basic synopsis. Uh, I'm I'm really happy to hear that you liked it and. Yeah, uh, getting more into like uh, I think we kind of did our little warning earlier about the the politics of this movie. I think uh, that speaks to the sense of location of this movie. I think it's so fascinating when you watch it that it felt to me like months were passing, you know, not like a year, but Mm -hmm. certainly like a whole summer. That's what it felt like. But then you find out it's only been a few weeks. And I I think what's kind of amazing to me about that is like he puts his hooks into people so quickly like that is that is such Mm -hmm. a thing in this movie we kind of mentioned how he's like grooming a barely legal you know teenage girl in this her name is strawberry and she's played by someone named Susanna sun who i don't think i've seen in a movie before but yeah this might be hmm. i think this is our first feature film if i'm not mistaken i'm not sure either way uh i know that it like we kind of were mentioning before there are a lot of like first-time actors in here or like unknown actors who you know maybe had like small roles here and there uh brie elrod plays his like estranged wife who is like first first oh, yeah. big scene of this movie and you know really good just fantastic like her and uh her mother um i i I don't know i don't remember the actor's name who plays her mother but uh, also incredibly great uh, acting performance from her and just everybody in general what i really like about this movie is it takes place in 2016 it's about like you can see without the movie ever stressing it like yeah it's a it's a place where everybody's in financial straits you know that's obvious it's a place where you can kind of see the like economic downfall of this area just through like visual subtext where you can kind of see it like the the factories behind everybody the kind of basic working man working woman struggle layered throughout this movie and there is an obvious parallel when you're watching this to like here comes this guy who you know he he has like a very jaded past porn star kind of guy people like him because he's famous he comes in he lies all the time but people don't really seem to care they kind of just like buy into his stuff because he's charismatic because he says things that they want to hear and he he has like a pitch he has like a promise Mm -hmm. to make your life better but as we see throughout the film it's all just sort of like bunk like there's nothing to it and so like i don't see how you can watch this movie as like an american (laughs) and not get that like i've I've had this debate with people where they're just like no this movie he's not trying to talk about trump in this like he's not really i've legitimately talked to people who were like He's literally, I know, right? Like, and the first, like, one of the first shots of film is him going through the the Trump sign. Like, he's literally going into Trump. Land. I know. Like, it's it's a very apparent metaphor. It's, it's super on the nose. <laughs> like, I, I I don't know. I I think people are just sort of like, no, no. What he's trying to say is like, he's trying to he's trying to just have Trump in the background of it. He's not saying that Trump's like the main character. And I'm like, no. Oh, they think it's like they think it's just solely for like historical purposes like that it would just be on like for the characters in the background but not serve as a narrative purpose maybe like an atmospheric thing i think is what people are sort of I don't saying know. i just 
I don't get how like like there's like a scene where you like hear Trump babbling in the back while you see like a close up of him like making an American flag joint, and it's just like you know like I like these metaphors like but they are obvious like they, they're yeah. not they're not subtle. I mean like, some yeah. of, some of the other metaphors that you know maybe some people can debate about too is you know like who who does strawberry represent her name is literally strawberry i think like the movie kind of goes out of its way to make her sort of like the american pie like the sort of like this is the american innocence this is what you know somebody like trump can like do to america and like you know all that stuff and i think that it's a message that i think is interesting not because i necessarily like agree with how this movie characterizes you know that sort of persona that kind of like huckster but I really think it's interesting that like two different people who have totally different views of like the politics of the last five years can watch this movie and have like not the same understanding, but get something out of it that's like helpful. That's just kind of like a form of catharsis. Like even if you were somebody who is very politically like in one direction, that's very far from where I am. We could both watch the same movie and, you know, get something really useful out of it i guess like a, a sense of understanding a sense of like this is this is what people are like this is like a true it's it's not to me like those like really ringing false sort of like let's go to the heart belt you know the rust belt of america the heartland mm -hmm. and like interview a bunch of random people not it feels like a pretty honest portrait of like american life during this time and beyond so that that for me is like why it like is tra more transcendent for me is one of my favorites of the year it's like everything about the movie combined with that like driving like um i don't want to say like productiveness of it but just like i don't know i just think that it's a very multi-dimensional message in a movie that's like deceptively minimalistic sure and i think like we've had discussion before like when they they're probably going to make at some point uh, a Trump biopic or something like that. And it's like, I really just don't want that. And it's going to suck. Yeah, it's probably going to suck. I mean, who knows? Probably maybe it'll be it. amazing, but it's probably going to have um, like uh, an actor who looks nothing like, but it's going to, you know, they're going to do all kinds of dumb stuff with it. It's going to be the next bomb. Whatever. It'll be probably like very boring and mediocre for whatever. Yeah, it won't be like uh, offensively but like, bad. Probably it'll just be so safe and so just like, right. oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. But whatever, like I, I just would rather have movies like this because I feel like movies like this, like yeah, they're not very subtle about uh, what it's they're saying in this regard politically, but they feel very attuned to like what this time was. And like you said, the fact that he's able to make like you know these very kind of rustic, uh, lived-in places, like uh, you know, like they, they are cinematic. Like there's a lot of colorful, colorful, colorful flourishes uh, throughout, and like you know, like he definitely like gives some otherwise like rundown places uh new coats of paint um but yeah like they feel very attuned to like what he's saying and i think they i would get a lot more out of a movie like this than if they just did like a like run-of-the-mill uh standard biopic on anyone in the trump administration or whatever absolutely yeah like i, I think that what, what separates this kind of movie from something like hillbilly elegy for example is that it doesn't gawk at the people in this movie and at the same time doesn't fetishize you know like i was saying before like these are the voters who they voted for trump like you know what i mean it's just like oh my gosh like mm -hmm. yeah there are a lot of people like that and i think that this movie is just kind of like i don't know it's so human like, it, it, and it yeah, does it it doesn't it does it uh, without approving yeah. of anything or disapproving necessarily it just sort of like lets you meet the movie where you're at and where it's at mm -hmm. yeah i mean i don't think Ron Howard intended to be quite as cynical as some people make it seem, but there is a sense of like, he's almost looking at Trump voters in that movie. Like, 
he's gawking them like they're exhibits at a zoo or something. And right. like, no, they're like real people. And that's why like there is like this sort of like out of touch, like quote unquote elitism where people like feel like like they feel like unrepresented. And like I think you could like you say, you could watch a movie like this and uh, you know, like, you know, not maybe agree with what it's saying politically, but at the same time like feel like it's you, it, people feel represented or seen because they're like you said like sean baker he has that inherent empathetic curious view where he's like he doesn't fully understand his characters he doesn't let them off the hook either but he tries to understand them in a very real and and sincere sort of way even in a somewhat heightened film like this one compared to his previous films right and uh, i think that yeah it's a kind of movie where it, it, I think it could easily fall into the trap. And I, I, this is what I worry, you know, like more movies and along this vein, the mistake they're going to make is they're going to say, we have to show that these people are stupid, you know, like you have to be stupid in order to like somebody like Mikey Saber to put your faith in him. It's like, no, nah, I mean, it's not that these people are necessarily stupid. Like, I mean, they might not be the smartest people, but you know, intelligence has nothing to do with what, like, with what's going on here. It's like, we're talking about victims of like systems and, you know, circumstances that are really, really difficult. And it's human nature to sort of gravitate toward a charismatic leader, somebody who is going to promise to fix your problems and somebody who's just, you know, that you look up to. And it, that's kind of what this movie is getting at is like how people get victimized by that sort of person, how like this guy is a virus. He's just going to keep on consuming and, and ruining everything until, you know, a group of people can find a way to like root him out and be like, get out of here. Like, we don't need you. <laughs> like, please stop uh, that kind of thing. So I, I, yeah, I just think that it's a really, it's a really well done movie in that respect. And I think just on a fundamental level just a really engaging movie mainly because of Simon Rex's performance mm -hmm. because I think like it's a, it's a movie full of like really great moments uh, we spend a lot of time in this donut shop for example and like I just I just love how this location comes alive you know like I feel like I can you know even after seeing this over a month ago I, I can chart out you know like all the mm -hmm. locations like where characters lived how long it took for one character to get somewhere like I don't know this, this is like a location that feels alive to me and like I, don't, I can't do that with hardly any other movie this year I think of like Power of the and I'm like, where, what state, you know, what, what were they doing? Montana? Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't have that same connection to other movies this year for whatever reason. It could be a me thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think there are a couple. I mean, obviously, Licorice Pizza, maybe because it's fresh in my mind, but I, I feel it's very similar. Like, I, I can't take, you know, that location away from yeah. the movie and it, it wouldn't be the same film. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly with this movie, they they feed one another it's like it's 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 impossible to not think about the location while you're watching a film like especially like all like the like plumes of smoke coming from the like various smokestacks like yeah. uh, another metaphor throughout the film but like done very effectively because it's not you know like it doesn't feel like it's like going down your throat even when it's meant to be very apparent uh you know and and i think uh his sort of naturalistic style like kind of complements that where it kind of feels like he's almost stealing these shots sometimes in a way like you know like he kind of feels like you just kind of like catch him on the fly uh i don't know i mean i'm, I'm sure he had legal permits and stuff i'm not yeah, trying yeah. to suggest but otherwise to what you're but, saying, he, he's uh, like a fly on the wall like a photographer almost mentality you know what i mean it's just like somebody who goes around he's like, like a little bit of like a john wilson thing almost if uh if we want to invoke uh how to love john wilson. john wilson yeah yeah how to john wilson great show if you haven't watched it yet um talking to listeners of course i know you're keeping up with it john I but know, um, i'm a few episodes yeah. behind i thought you were shaming me for oh, a second <laughs> No, no, I'm talking to listeners because I don't know how popular it is at this point. I know it's like a critical darling, but I don't know how many 
people have right it's not it marketed super heavily on hbo max like i go on hbo max and i see stuff for shows that came out a year ago but i don't see how to but maybe that's because i watch it and it's just like we know you're watching like we know we know we got you i mean the the thankful thing is that i can't imagine the budget for how to with john wilson is more than maybe a couple thousand well yeah i was watching that uh, interview where he was just like i literally make my own title cards and uh right. i saw i saw in another interview that yeah the only people they really hire he has like a second team that goes out and gets shots yeah. for him but that's like about yeah, it yeah second unit yeah yeah and he has like his like writers like including connor o'malley and like susan orland which is a uh, pretty incredible but they're basically um, like youtube level where they're like writing scripts you know what yeah. i mean it's just like a, yeah anyway sorry Great show. One of the best on TV right now, uh, in my opinion, at least. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, not to, to take away from Red Rocket. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, really great film. Very mesmerizing film. Uh, my favorite thing about the screening was they brought donuts for us. That's probably why that's my favorite oh, really? film of the that's year. Cool. I was bribed. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was funny. The The contact literally just got donuts for the, the heck of it. She was just like, you'll understand when you watch the movie. I was like, well, this is nice because it was an early screening. It was like an early in the morning. It was kind of a last minute thing too. They were just like, Hey, we don't know if we're going to have this screening. Cause you know, we don't know if a lot of people will come. And I remember I emailed, I was just like, yeah, please. I want to see this movie. Let's do it. And so it was me and like three or four other people. So it was a you small were screening. I was hustling and bustling. You're like, let's get this going. <laughs> yeah, bring the donuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I hate to say that, that I was a bit of a Mikey savior in that respect, but anyway, mm. no great movie. Um, certainly certainly a film with like real moments there's a moment involving um a roller coaster in this movie that just like oh yeah yeah. it it haunts me to this day like i the expression on his face the expression on her (laughs) face and the movement of the roller coaster it's such a small thing you know uh the, the whole the whole all the visuals of like him riding this like kid's bike everywhere and it's just it's just like you said it's like it's so pathetic and like you can see that it's pathetic but like it's like nobody else can you know, and, and like I said, like that speaks to the understanding. Like this is what it was like for a lot of people who were just like, "Why the heck do people like this Trump guy? He's pathetic." But then other people are just like, "What are you right. talking about? It's charming. Ah, he's riding a kid's bike." You say it like it is. <laughs> yeah. you know, yada yada yada. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, it, it it really is like a compelling thing to me to to find that sort of like that wiggle room. It's it looks easy. But it certainly must not have been for Sean Baker and his team. I think that they mm-hmm. really like put a lot of thought into this movie. You know, it's funny because they oh, were going to do another movie yeah. before this. This was something that yeah. they kind of did because of COVID. And we're just sort of like, hey, let's just make this. Uh, yeah, I've heard kind of conflicting things. I guess he's like, it's an idea I think he had for a while. Yeah, he was just sort of like, we'll get to it later. To it. Yeah, right. I think he was going to do it later. And then like, like you said, that project he was going to do, which is probably going to be a little bit bigger and like would have been a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Uh, wasn't able to be done last year. So you're just like, all right, I have this other idea. Let's just kind of push this forward. And so, yeah, it worked out. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have too much else to say about the movie beyond all of that. I don't want to give a lot of stuff away. I just hope people see it. It's playing, you know, in limited release right now. Uh, it's playing in uh, yeah. more theaters than I expected. Like it's actually playing in some of my local, like real local theaters in the Bay Area, not just San Francisco, which is really cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm out by way of it's Oakland. Only playing... So like, yeah, you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is one uh, only one theater for me. I was I was thankful that you know anyone played it near me, but yeah, it was like a I had to kind of go out of my way to to see it. But I'm thankful that I did. And I would say like you know I, it's it's kind of a hard sell only in that like he it, like you said it's it's the type of film where you you don't exactly know who to sell it to. And I, there are certain people in, like you know and you're like yeah I don't think you're probably gonna like it. But I would say if it is of interest, just go to your theater if it's safe. 
uh, and check it out. Just give it a shot because it is very cinematically rewarding. Uh, it may not sound like it, uh, but like there are just a lot of cinematic flourishes here that really do reward the big screen. Um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's a type of film where like just as soon as it starts and like his head turns just to the beat of bye bye bye. It's just like, oh, yeah, that bye bye bye. This is why it comes through so often in the movie. And it's I, it's such a good song choice. Like it really is. Yeah, There's even like a stripped down cover of it at one person, like a literal stripped yeah, down quite literally. cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. Um, apparently they didn't know for sure if they were going to have the rights to that song. That would have been sad if they didn't. And uh, they had another version of that scene where she sang like an original song in, in case that didn't work out. But I guess NSYNC was like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, we like yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah. What they're just like, yeah, Florida Project, man, like. You, yeah let's do it i'm just glad you know we're, we're kind of getting into the 20 year mark since like peak like boy band right um i know we had other boy bands like one direction or whatever but like you know not like nsync not like backstreet boys like that was a very specific kind of boy band vibe and i'm just liking that we're kind of getting all right it's time to sort of uh you know nostalgize or you know however word you'd want to use to kind of go back to the well of that like i know like that turning red Whoa. trailer for example with like larger than life Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we were also in this weird time, like, you know, like we said, The Matrix, um, Spider-Man with the Raimi movies, uh, even like, you know, late 90s with Scream coming up. Like, we're in this kind of like, we've had the 80s nostalgia, and now we're kind of going to this like 90s, 2000s nostalgia. Yeah, we kind of skipped the early 90s. We're kind of jumping right to Millennium, like Y2K, right. which I guess, I guess yeah. what are you going to do about that? But no, that's the case. I, I, I just want a shape of my heart song to show up in some kind of movie i think that's the only thing i want from okay. from media at the current moment that's it but uh also did you want to did you want to speculate on why the movie is called red rocket uh, i know like we know the urban slang what a it's red rocket is up. there is a dog in this movie but the dog never has a red rocket um sure i i have well i mean know. he is a bit of a dog in a way yeah is he the red rocket uh, yeah he's a he's a real dick i mean that's like He's a he's a big dick. <laughs> the poster is he's literally him naked, he's a like with yeah. a donut right. kind of, you know, it's it's pretty. You, you can tell what that I is. Took yeah. It, yeah. I mean, maybe there's a more artful thing, but I just took it as like another dick joke. Like he's the title was a dick joke. He's a dick. Yeah. I literally like told people too. like uh, I was at, like a, a gathering of sophisticates. Not really sophisticates, just like I, my, my, my buds and friends. And one of them who I didn't know very well because he just started dating one of my friends. Right. And he was like, well, what, you know, you're, you're, you like the, the movies, huh? What, what's your favorite movie of the year? And I say, that would be Red Rocket, Red Rock. He's just like, what, what mm. <laughs> you like, what is that? Like, I thought he was about to ask me sure. if it was on like some kind of adult website. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it was a very... oh, I thought you were going to, yeah. I thought you were going to say like, he was like offended. Just like, look, like I just asked your opinion. Like I don't, you don't need to insult me. Like what's your real favorite movie of the year? Like, yeah <laughs> that was kind of the, that was kind of the tone um but yeah no i was like no it's a real movie it's like a, the guy who made the florida project and he obviously had never heard of that so you know what are you gonna do that's the cinemaholic lifestyle i just kind of have to roll with it yeah make sure well i mean if we encourage some people to see it i i think we've done our job i believe so i believe we have now it's time to play the rotten tomatoes game and this is like you said it's a hard one because we don't know we, we don't even know who to recommend it to like i think i would watch it with one of my like a friend my own age no matter their political persuasion i'd be like hey you know like i know you and i don't agree on like everything right so like i, I feel like i could watch this movie with them and have a really good con i like to have you know conversations with people uh that 
our more spirited debates yeah. and things like that and be like this this would be a fun way for us to, like watch a movie and be like hey what did you get out of it oh this is what i got out of it and kind mm-hmm. of see where we land and all that but uh what do you what do you yeah. think uh what about critics though because we know we know those elite critics yeah, just, you know they yeah they got their own stuff <laughs> yeah. they, they got their own uh, agenda huh but we got 135 sure. movies counted on rotten tomatoes 135 reviews you mean um yes, yes. yeah uh yeah i was gonna say i mean i saw licorice pizza with my parents i'm pretty glad i didn't see this one like yeah. this would be a pretty awkward ride home um Absolutely. for a number of reasons uh, <laughs> <laughs> um let's see i'm gonna say 86 percent mm, one off do you think it's 86 mm. or 88 you mean 87? Oh, sorry 87 or 85 i was gonna say did i see the wrong number um <laughs> is it is it 86 then it's 87 i think because i was looking at the okay. score and i was like one away from 87 okay. so i was like 88 or 86 oh, okay. I, I couldn't tell yeah if that was yeah yeah i knew you messed up because of the score but i couldn't figure out which way well but, done okay, yeah 87 percent. very nice um yeah which is like pretty reasonably high certified fresh and all of that not as high as like rich pizza but certainly you know and it's around the same like review count. Like, uh, I mean, not around the same, same. I think Liquor Speech was like 180 something. But uh, okay, what about audience score? We have 100 plus ratings. And th- this is another tricky one. We don't know what, what our audience is. The kind of person who would see this movie, you know, be like, Red Rocket, yum. You know, like, who's, who's going to go check that out? Um, This might be a little high. I'm going to say 74%. 72%. You, you know, I think with these movies, like you're just like on their wavelength or something. You're, you're just kind of like, yeah, I know what the people want. They want Red Rocket. <laughs> they want licorice pizza. Um, I don't think we have a, a cinema score. Oh, I was very curious to hear the cinema score <laughs> yeah, for this one. Usually sense. I'm not. But this one, I definitely want to hear what they these crazy kooks in the Vegas are thinking about this movie. I don't think they've um, they made up their mind. But we do have a letterboxed average okay um the ratings okay. it's been viewed it's been logged fifteen thousand times on letterboxd um eleven thousand uh lists it shows up in and five point eight thousand likes so mm-hmm. what do you think the rating average is uh i'm gonna say 3.8 percent and you're saying 3.8 out of five of course Wait, sorry 3.8 3.8 out of five. I, yeah i forget time. that not everybody uses letterboxd uh close it's 4.0 it's actually only one oh, off or 0.1 away from the crush pizza which we talked about was 4.1 so yeah pretty high rating that 4.0 very good stuff i feel like if we keep doing the letterbox rating we'll get a better idea of the curve though mm-hmm. that's not something i yeah, always that check might out be, uh, uh i'm gonna just assume uh cinema score was gonna be a c plus c plus I'd say you think it would be higher. I think it's either C plus or B minus. I think I would have gone for for the B minus. I think I would have given folks a little bit more of like they think, like Simon Rex. They yeah. like Dirt Nasty. Those are the fans that are coming up to see sure. it. Yeah, I think no higher than B, but no lower than C. Mm-hmm. So like somewhere that's why I that's why I assume C plus, but who knows? I mean to get it to get us into the curve, let's do a bonus guess. I have Nightmare Alley right here. All right. So Nightmare okay. Alley. Similar, similar, I think, in scope, right? 21,000 watches, 6.7 thousand likes. What do you think the average rating for that is so we can get an idea? Uh, sorry, this is a letterbox for Nightmare yeah, Alley we're doing? Yeah, the average letterbox rating for okay. Nightmare Alley, which I know we already talked about on the is show. It three point, is it 3.2? 3.6. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you've been, you've been lowballing the letterbox a little bit, but not not too much. Um, well, it's a wider span. True. You know, they, the letterbox crowd, they can be pretty opinionated you say, more so than i think others say wider release yeah. but i'm seeing like very similar numbers to red rocket in terms of people who are watching it so i guess that's a testament or what you know the negative 
version of a testament to how Nightmare Alley is getting pretty ignored. So what are you going to do? All right, that's it for us uh, on this bonus show. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be talking about Matrix Resurrections next, I think, and uh, maybe Sing 2 along with it. Uh, I know we didn't do a main app this week yet, but uh, what do you think? Well, are we going to do a, a main app before the week ends? It's almost New Year's. Let's find out. <laughs> we really don't know, um, but I guess we will soon enough. Uh, that's it for us, though, for now. Uh, we'll see you all in the next one. And uh, I didn't introduce our, ourselves. I'm John Agroni, and oh. well, I guess we'll do that now. You're I'm Will. Hi, I'm yeah. hello, I'm Will. All right, we'll see y'all later.